This is the MLB Extras Mets podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Anthony DeComo, our Mets reporter. Thank you for tuning in and a lot to get to on the podcast this week. Anthony, we're going to get into the bullpen as far as the Mets are concerned. It's a position that they think they have improved a lot during this offseason. We'll break it down. Uh, We'll talk about J.D. Davis and the potential of him being a two-way type player. We'll see. And there's been some talk lately. Um, Some people have speculated that maybe... Just maybe this would have been an offseason where the Mets should have gotten involved with the two big free agents. That is Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Ken Rosenthal has a story on The Athletic where he discusses that. Uh, Brody Van Wagnon and Jeff Wilpon have both kind of come out and said they, they, they talked about those players, obviously, but they were never big targets within their plan for this offseason. I just want your thoughts on it all, 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 Anthony, as a guy who's, you know, in there with the reporters. Yeah, look, I I feel like we go we go through this uh, every year, and it, maybe it's a little more prominent this year because there are two uh, what I would consider transcendent free agents out there, young free agents in Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, uh, guys who would clearly and you could never argue otherwise, guys who would clearly make the Mets better. And, and people uh, throw up their hands and they and they you know ball their fists. And they say, why don't the Mets spend on these guys? Why don't they pay more? And they're looking for some answer from the heavens when the answer is right in front of you. The Mets have a payroll like every team in baseball has a payroll. Ownership gets to decide what that is. And there's nothing that you can do about it. There's nothing that Brody Van Wagenen can do about it. Uh, There's nothing that anyone can do about it. That's just the way it is. So given that, and, uh, you know, the Mets have been pretty private about what their payroll is. But at this point in the offseason, we can deduce pretty clearly that, the ceiling appears to be around $160 million. Uh, they had a choice. They could have gone after Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, and that would have been pretty much their only acquisition of the offseason. Or they can do what they did, which is go out and improve their infield depth, improve their bullpen uh, with a trade, with a signing, uh, go ahead and, and add some balance to their lineup, uh, do all these little littler things that they wanted to accomplish. And here we stand, and they're at that number. They're slightly higher than they were last year. Uh, I believe they entered last season with a payroll around 150, $151 million. Uh, They're a couple million higher than that right now. So maybe there's a little wiggle room for reliever surfaces that they like. If they want to go out and make one more small move, they can do that. Uh, but signing a Bryce Harper or signing a Manny Machado would have torpedoed that. Now, the other side of that argument is, okay, they have a hundred call it $155 million payroll. Why not go out and sign, even sign an AJ Pollock, who who you know just signed today, and and it was a relatively reason reasonable kind of a bargain compared to what Bryce Harper uh, is ultimately probably going to sign for. Uh, you know they could have done that, not added all that much to their payroll, and shored things up a little bit. Been a better team. You have this window to contend, right? So why not kind of go all in, go for broke? Uh, it's just not something they were willing to do. They want to keep their payroll flexibility going forward for future seasons. They don't have a ton on the books, you know, after 2020 or so. Robinson Cano now is there, and obviously they have some commitments to you on a Cespedes. Uh, They're still paying David Wright, although insurance is taking care of some of that. But uh, you see what I'm saying? You, there's a school of thought that you could go for broke, you could go all in. Uh, but clearly, Brody Van Wagen has said many times, you know, we want to win now, but we also want to win in the future. We want to create something sustainable and within the context of what the Mets payroll is, which again, you, me, nobody else can do anything about it. This is the way they decided to go with their offseason, which means 
as much as every Mets fan or every Mets fan I see on Twitter anyway wants Bryce Harper, it's not going to happen. They also mentioned that they do have a $29 million a year outfielder in UNS Cespedes, and they spoke about being hopeful that he would be a contributor, but that kind of is a change of tune from early in the season where it seemed like they weren't really counting on getting anything from UNS Cespedes in 2019. Yeah, and they're getting insurance money back on his contract for the time that he does not play, so that would certainly be an argument toward spending money uh, you know, for a Bryce Harper or for a Manny Machado, but they still do have some financial commitment to this guy, and they are still hopeful that Ioana Cespedes can play. Uh, what Brody Van Wagenen said today is we are, uh, I don't know if confident was the word he used, but certainly hopeful that Ioana Cespedes will play in 2019. When that will be, uh, I don't think anyone really knows. I have not heard anyone uh, go on the record or even off the record saying they expect him back before the All-Star break. So I would kind of uh, look at that as your best-case target is right around the All-Star game. You get you on assessment is back. Worst case, he doesn't play at all for you this year. And, and you know, the thing that kind of goes unsaid about you on assessment is you're talking about a guy who's getting into his mid-30s now, a guy who hasn't been on the field much in recent years. What kind of player is he going to be? I don't think you can assume that he just comes back and settles right back into being that guy who hits 280 with 35 home runs every year. I, I, I just don't think you can go ahead and say that that's going to be the case. So if you're counting on Ioannis Cespedes to come back in, say, August and, and provide a jolt to your lineup, maybe he does come back, but maybe that jolt isn't there. So the Mets have talked all offseason about improving the depth of their roster, uh, about kind of eliminating Brody Van Wagen likes to say, we want to eliminate the what-ifs. Uh, you know, what if this guy stays healthy and what if this great year and so on and so forth. Uh, the Mets want to kind of get rid of those those what ifs. And I think they've spectacularly in the infield. In the outfield, I'm not quite as convinced. And in the pitching staff, I'm not convinced at all. So uh, there are definitely, there's no doubt that this roster is better than it was at the end of last season or probably even at the beginning of last season. Uh, but I, I certainly think there are places you could look at and say, could they not have done more? All right. Well, one of the places they did some things was in the bullpen. So let's get into that. And of course, the big move was to bring in the new closer, Edwin Diaz, in the trade, along with Robinson Cano coming over from the Mariners. The Mets did obviously give up some prospects in that deal, but the goal was to solidify the bullpen. And there's no reason not to think Edwin Diaz isn't going to be a lights out closer, right? Yeah, not that I've seen. I mean, it, you could actually look at his numbers and some of the advanced metrics, uh, what he did last year. You could actually say that he underperformed last year in terms of his ERA, that he was actually better than what his numbers showed last year. I mean, this guy's absolutely dynamic, and uh, you hate to say it, but barring an injury, which is a risk for any pitcher at any time, barring an injury, there's absolutely no reason to believe that he's not going to be among the best closers, if not the best closer again this year so this was you know kind of their big move this was the thing that probably added the most expected wins to their roster acquiring edwin diaz this was an enormous hole on the team last year not even necessarily at closer but in the bullpen where they were 28th in the majors in era uh you know they just could not take those leads that their starting pitchers were giving them and convert them into wins certainly jacob Degrom knows all about that so uh, there was no one singular culprit last year. There were a lot of culprits. And, and putting that rock at the back end of the bullpen, I think, solves a lot of problems. It trickles down to everyone else, puts people in more comfortable, more familiar roles. 
And the Mets hope that, you know, with the Edwin Diaz closing out games, they're going to be a much, much better bullpen in 2019. All right. And then when you look at who's going to be the setup, man, it's obviously a familiar face for Mets fans. Jay Reese Familia. He comes over now as a guy who's signed back with the Mets as a free agent, showing how much he enjoyed his time, I guess, in Queens. Um, but now the setup man, he was a very effective closer, Anthony. Can he be as good a setup man as he was a closer for the Mets? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, I've long kind of been in the school of thought that Jurius Familia has gotten a bad rap over the years. Uh, he had the three blown saves in the World Series. Not all his fault. Um, you know, he's had some other hiccups along the way. Not all his fault. By and large, you look at the body of work, and he's been great. And it actually kind of reminds me, we were having discussions the other day with the Hall of Fame announcement of Carlos Beltran. You know, really a spectacular career in New York, but he gets a bad rap because of a couple of moments particularly that calls strike three in the 06 NLCS. So, uh, you know, you can't define someone's body of work by a couple of moments. And I get it. He's a closer. You know, he has to be nails in the toughest situation. Oh. But the greatest closers of all time, Mariano Rivera blew, blew a save in game seven of the World Series. So it happens. Uh, and don't let it overlook the fact that this is a very good pitcher who is younger than most of the other free agents the Mets could have pursued this winter. And so, yeah, I don't see any reason to believe that he can't settle into this role just fine. He seems happy with it. He's not going to complain that he's not the closer. So you put him in front of Edwin Diaz, and I think you've got a really good one-two punch at the back end of the bullpen, maybe one of your better one-two punches in the game. All right. When you look after those two guys into this bullpen, things get a little more, I don't want to say dicey, but unclear. Um, As far as the next high leverage guy, does that spot fall to Seth Lugo at this point? Yeah, that spot definitely falls to Seth Lugo. And, uh, you know, people want him in the rotation. Uh, Seth Lugo wants to be in the rotation. The Mets have been very clear over the past two years that they prefer Lugo in the bullpen. He's dynamic down there. They like what he can do both as a setup man, uh, as long relief if they need him. They can always bump him up as a spot starter if they need him there. Uh, They can even close him if they need him to do that. So he can do a lot of things. He can do a lot of things well. And he's really developed into a a great, great reliever over the past few years. So uh, he's clearly that number three option in the bullpen right now. Uh, And after that, it gets interesting. You know, Robert Gesellman, I think everyone is kind of penciling into the bullpen as well. He is probably going to be there on opening day, but he struggled last year. Uh, You know, his, his stats from around June to the end of the year were not good. An ERA near six. And, you know, pitcher ERA, especially reliever ERA, I should say, is not always a great gauge. But there were definitely stretches where Robert Gasolin was struggling big time. So he's going to have to show a little bit of improvement this spring. I think the Mets are confident he will. Um, And then you look towards kind of a mix of non-roster invitees to spring training and some of these young uh, right-handers that we have talked about for so long. Uh, Talking about the non-roster guys first, I know, Luis Avalon, a veteran left-hander, is someone Brody Van Wagenen has mentioned by name as a guy who could be a factor in the bullpen on opening day. Um, But there are some competitions for that spot. Uh, Ryan O'Rourke is another non-roster guy. They're bringing in Hector Santiago, uh, is starting pitching depth, but could also make the opening day bullpen as a left-hander. And then I think there's a lot of people interested in getting some more eyes on Daniel Zamora, the young lefty the Mets brought up last year and uh, had a very nice run at the end of the year. So that's from the left side. From the right side, you've got a whole laundry list of guys. Uh, Drew Smith, Tyler Bashler, uh, Paul Seawalt, who we've seen a ton of, Jacob Rame, who we've seen a ton of, uh, Tim Peterson was up for a little bit 
last year. Uh, I mean, go down the list. There's a bunch of non-roster guys in camp too. Uh, somebody's going to have to step up uh, to make the team. I, I could tell you, you know, last year down the stretch, for example, uh, Drew Smith was a guy who the Mets looked at and really, really liked in that sixth inning, seventh inning role. Um, if he has a nice camp, I bet you he'll be there. But if he has a bad camp, he's going to open the door for plenty of others to come in and, and make a mark on this bullpen. It's a wide open competition once you get past those top three, four guys. And uh, I bet it's going to come down to the, the very final week of March. Well, that'll keep things interesting in spring training for sure. All right, one more thing I wanted to talk to you about on the pod this week. Uh, J.D. Davis, they got him from the Astros. He's a guy that's known as an infield prospect. But he's got a great arm, and the Mets have talked to her. He's talked about the the desire to maybe try that out a little bit. Um, is he going to be the Mets' answer to having a, a possible two-way player? Well, he's not Shohei Otani, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but uh, he, he has an intriguing arm. He can throw in, he's thrown in games before in kind of that position player mop-up role, 92 miles an hour. And, the, and I'll tell you, the Mets are at least intrigued by the idea of having him come to camp and maybe throw some bullpen sessions, throw some flat grounds, see what he can do. Because if you have that guy who, you know, can save your bullpen once a week, come in, throw an inning if you need him, that's an interesting uh, new age weapon that you know, not a lot of teams have, or really no team has a guy who can, you know, sit on your bench, but if you need him to come in and be a ninth guy out of the bullpen uh, and you save those other eight, then it's a nice thing to have. First and foremost, J.D. Davis is just trying to make this team as a hitter. Uh, the Mets like him as a right-handed power guy, as a guy who could potentially replace Wilmer Flores' production off the bench. So that's going to be his focus, and he is by no means assured a roster spot coming into spring training. But if they get to camp and uh, you know they decide they want to fool around a little bit with this, the, the talent is absolutely there, and I, I know there's some curiosity on J.D. Davis's part as well. Uh, you know, it's just something I could do and contribute value to the team. All right. Good stuff. As always, Anthony, that's going to do it for this edition of the pod. You can find Anthony on Twitter. I'm there as well. Uh, continue to follow us along as this off season trucks along. You can follow all of our podcasts on MLB.com backslash podcast. Also on Apple podcast and Google play as well. That'll do it for the Mets podcast for Anthony DeComo. I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for listening.